May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. This is Father John Zulsdorf and another podcast. We welcome as our guest today the bishops of Kazakhstan. They've made a very interesting statement about truths of sacramental marriage. As the controversy erupted at the eruption of Amoris Laetitia, I opined that even though the document could be read in a properly orthodox way, those who were inclined not to support the Church's teaching would say it meant one thing, and those who were inclined to defend and teach with clarity what the Church teaches would stand their ground. Amoris Laetitia caused a kind of decomposition reaction in the Church, if you recall your basic chemistry. It's breaking down the unity of the Church. This breaking of unity is in increasing evidence. Bishops' conferences have developed different policies that contradict each other. For example, step over the border from Germany into Poland, and the divorced and civilly remarried who don't live continent lives and who don't have a firm purpose of amendment cannot be admitted to Holy Communion. Step back across the border from Poland into Germany, and they can be. One small step for an adulterer, one giant disaster for doctrine. Other examples of decomposition can be found in statements from the bishops of Malta and the bishops of Buenos Aires in Argentina. There must, of course, be counter-reactions to try to re-establish the integrity of the Church in her unity of doctrine. The other day I received a text from the bishops of Kazakhstan, including the great Bishop Schneider, which addresses certain truths about sacramental marriage. It is very good. As a preamble, you will want to scan quickly what canonist Ed Peters says about it at his fine blog, In the Light of the Law. He makes a couple of distinctions which head off what will be the backlash and denial on the part of Libs, who will be whipped up by the new Red Guards against this very clear statement. Peters makes three helpful observations. First, he reminds us that the Kazakhstani bishops are talking about sacramental marriage, even though much of what they say applies to other marriages. Second, when we write about marriage, we can't always put every possible qualifier in. Thirdly, Peters points to the minuscule number of cases to which the Pauline and Petrine privileges apply, or which are perhaps ratum sed non consumatum. Let's now hear the statement of the bishops of Kazakhstan. As I read the text of the profession, I'll try vocally to mark out quotations. I'll include the citations as smoothly as possible. There are in the text some paragraphs and bullet points, and hopefully you will hear them marked vocally as I read them. You might listen for a few important points. First, uh, the they underscore that marriage is a public matter. In maintaining the discipline of the sacraments, the Church does not judge the interior state of grace of anybody. However, because marriage is a visible thing and uh, there's a possibility of scandal, you know, this is real, they do mention scandal, uh, the Church also requires outward conformity of life to the Church's teachings when being admitted to the sacraments. Now, a key paragraph near the end of the text, uh, beginning 
it is not licit, non licet, is highlighted in bold typeface in the text. And so that means that they're really, they've really finally gotten to their summary. I didn't really know how vocally to mark that. I didn't want to actually, you know, shout it or something. But anyway, I think you'll be able to hear that it's marked vocally as well. At the end, uh, they mentioned that 2017 was the year of the centenary of the apparitions at Fatima. Uh, they obviously think that that's an important point. And they issued it on the Feast of the Holy Family. Obviously important. They also invoked the saints who died because of their defense of marriage, John the Baptist, Thomas More, and John Fisher. But they also include blessed Laura Vicuña, a South American girl, who is a patroness of abuse victims and loss of parents. And I note with interest that she died in Argentina. So here, without delay, is the Profession of the Immutable Truths about Sacramental Marriage from the bishops of Kazakhstan. Profession of the Immutable Truths About Sacramental Marriage After the publication of the Apostolic Exhortation Amoris Laetitia, 2016, various bishops issued at local, regional, and national levels applicable norms regarding the sacramental discipline of those faithful called divorced and remarried, who, having still a living spouse to whom they are united with a valid sacramental matrimonial bond, have nevertheless begun a stable cohabitation, more uxurio, with a person who is not their legitimate spouse. The aforementioned rules provide inter alia that, in individual cases, the persons called divorced and remarried may receive the sacrament of penance and holy communion, while continuing to live habitually and intentionally, more uxurio, with a person who is not their legitimate spouse. These pastoral norms have received approval from various hierarchical authorities. Some of these norms have received approval even from the supreme authority of the Church. The spread of these ecclesiastically approved pastoral norms has caused a considerable and ever-increasing confusion among the faithful and the clergy, a confusion that touches the central manifestations of the life of the Church, such as sacramental marriage with the family, the domestic church, and the sacrament of the Most Holy Eucharist. According to the doctrine of the Church, only the sacramental matrimonial bond constitutes a domestic church. See Second Vatican Council, Lumen Gentium 11. The admission of so-called divorced and remarried faithful to Holy Communion, which is the highest expression of the unity of Christ the spouse with his church, means, in practice, a way of approving or legitimizing divorce, and in this meaning a kind of introduction of divorce in the life of the church. The mentioned pastoral norms are revealed in practice and in time as a means of spreading the plague of divorce, an expression used by the Second Vatican Council, see Gaudium at Space 47. It is a matter of spreading the plague of divorce even in the life of the Church, when the Church, instead, because of her unconditional fidelity to the doctrine of Christ, should be a bulwark and an unmistakable sign of contradiction against the plague of divorce, which is every day more rampant in civil society. 
unequivocally and without admitting any exception, our Lord and Redeemer Jesus Christ solemnly reaffirmed God's will regarding the absolute prohibition of divorce. An approval or legitimation of the violation of the sacredness of the marriage bond, even indirectly through the mentioned new sacramental discipline, seriously contradicts God's express will and his commandment. This practice, therefore, represents a substantial alteration of the 2,000-year-old sacramental discipline of the Church. Furthermore, a substantially altered discipline will eventually lead to an alteration in the corresponding doctrine. The constant magisterium of the Church, beginning with the teachings of the Apostles and of all the Supreme Pontiffs, has preserved and faithfully transmitted both in the doctrine, in theory, and in the sacramental discipline, in practice, in an unequivocal way, without any shadow of a doubt, and always in the same sense and in the same meaning, eodem sensu eodemque sententia the crystalline teaching of the Church concerning the indissolubility of marriage. Because of its divinely established in nature, the discipline of the sacraments must never contradict the revealed word of God and the faith of the Church in the absolute indissolubility of a ratified and consummated marriage. The sacraments not only presuppose faith, but by words and objects they also nourish, strengthen, and express it. That is why they are called sacraments of faith. Second Vatican Council, Sacrosanctum Concilium 59. Even the supreme authority in the Church may not change the liturgy arbitrarily, but only in the obedience of faith and with religious respect for the mystery of the liturgy. Catechism of the Catholic Church, 1125. The Catholic faith by its nature excludes a formal contradiction between the faith professed on the one hand and the life and practice of the sacraments on the other. In this sense, we can also understand the following affirmation of the magisterium. The split between the faith which many profess and their daily lives deserves to be counted among the more serious errors of our age. Second Vatican Council, Gaudium et Spes 43. And... Accordingly, the concrete pedagogy of the Church must always remain linked with her doctrine and never be separated from it. John Paul II, Apostolic Exhortation Familiaris Consortio, 33. In view of the vital importance that the doctrine and discipline of marriage and the Eucharist constitute, the Church is obliged to speak with the same voice. The pastoral norms regarding the indissolubility of marriage must not, therefore, be contradicted between one diocese and another, between one country and another. Since the time of the Apostles, the Church has observed this principle, as St. Irenaeus of Lyon testifies, the Church, though spread throughout the world to the ends of the earth, having received the faith from the Apostles and their disciples, preserves this preaching and this faith with care, and, as if she inhabits a single house, believes in the same identical way, as if she had only one soul and one heart, and preaches the truth of the faith, teaches it and transmits it in a unanimous voice, as if she had only one mouth. Adversus Heresies Book 1, Chapter 10, Paragraph 2 St. Thomas Aquinas transmits to us the same perennial principle of the life of the Church. There is one and the same faith of the ancients and the moderns, otherwise there would not be one and the same Church. 
Questiones Disputate de Veritate, Question 14, Article 12c. The following warning from Pope John Paul II remains current and valid. The confusion created in the conscience of many faithful by the differences of opinions and teachings in theology, in preaching, in catechesis, in spiritual direction, about serious and delicate questions of Christian morals, ends up by diminishing the true sense of sin almost to the point of eliminating it. Apostolic Exhortation, Reconciliatio et Penitentia, 18. The meaning of the following statements of the Magisterium of the Church is fully applicable to the doctrine and sacramental discipline concerning the indissolubility of a ratified and consummated marriage. For the Church of Christ, watchful guardian that she is, and defender of the dogmas deposited with her, never changes anything, never diminishes anything, never adds anything to them, but with all diligence she treats the ancient doctrines faithfully and wisely, which the faith of the fathers has transmitted. She strives to investigate and explain them in such a way that the ancient dogmas of heavenly doctrine will be made evident and clear, but will retain their full, integral, and proper nature, and will grow only within their own genus, that is, within the same dogma, in the same sense, and the same meaning. Pius the Ninth, Dogmatic Bull, Ineffabilis Deus. With regard to the very substance of truth, the Church has before God and men the sacred duty to announce it, to teach it without any attenuation, as Christ revealed it, and there is no condition of time that can reduce the rigor of this obligation. It binds in conscience every priest who is entrusted with the care of teaching, admonishing, and guiding the faithful. Pius Twelfth, Discourse to Parish Priests and Lenten Preachers, March 23, 1949. The Church does not historicize, does not relativize to the metamorphoses of profane culture the nature of the Church that is always equal and faithful to itself, as Christ wanted it and authentic tradition perfected it. Paul VI, homily from October 28, 1965. Now it is an outstanding manifestation of charity towards souls to omit nothing from the saving doctrine of Christ. Paul VI, Encyclical Humani Vitae, 29. Any conjugal difficulties are resolved without ever falsifying and compromising the truth. John Paul II, Apostolic Exhortation Familiaris Consortio, 33. The Church is in no way the author or the arbiter of this norm of the divine moral law. In obedience to the truth which is Christ, whose image is reflected in the nature and dignity of the human person, the Church interprets the moral norm and proposes it to all people of good will, without concealing its demands of radicalness and perfection. John Paul II, Apostolic Exhortation, Familiaris Consortio 33. The other principle is that of truth and consistency, whereby the Church does not agree to call good evil and evil good. Basing herself on these two complementary principles, the Church can only invite her children who find themselves in these painful situations to approach the divine mercy by other ways, not, however, through the sacraments of penance and the Eucharist, until such time as they have attained the required dispositions. John Paul II, Apostolic Exhortation, Reconciliatio et Penitentia 34. 
the church's firmness in defending the universal and unchanging moral norms is not demeaning at all its only purpose is to serve man's true freedom because there can be no freedom apart from or in opposition to the truth john paul ii encyclical veritatis splendor ninety six when it is a matter of the moral norms prohibiting intrinsic evil there are no privileges or exceptions for anyone it makes no difference whether one is the master of the world or the poorest of the poor on the face of the earth before the demands of morality we are all absolutely equal john paul ii encyclical veritatis splendor ninety six the obligation of reiterating this impossibility of admission to the eucharist is required for genuine pastoral care and for an authentic concern for the well-being of these faithful and of the whole church as it indicates the conditions necessary for the fullness of that conversion to which all are always invited by the lord pontifical council for legislative texts declaration on the admissibility to the holy communion of the divorced and remarried 24 June 2000, number 5. As Catholic bishops, who, according to the teaching of the Second Vatican Council, must defend the unity of faith and the common discipline of the Church, and take care that the light of the full truth should arise for all men, see Lumen Gentium 23, we are forced, in conscience, to profess in the face of the current rampant confusion the unchanging truth and the equally immutable sacramental discipline regarding the indissolubility of marriage, according to the bimillennial and unaltered teaching of the magisterium of the Church. In this spirit we reiterate, Sexual relationships between people who are not in the bond to one another of a valid marriage, which occurs in the case of the so-called divorced and remarried, are always contrary to God's will and constitute a grave offense against God. No circumstance or finality, not even a possible imputability or diminished guilt, can make such sexual relations a positive moral reality and pleasing to God. The same applies to the other negative precepts of the Ten Commandments of God, since there exist acts which, per se and in themselves, independently and of circumstances are always seriously wrong by reason of their object john paul the second apostolic exhortation reconciliatio et penitentia seventeen the church does not possess the infallible charism of judging the internal state of grace of a member of the faithful see council of trent session twenty four chapter one the non-admission to Holy Communion of the so-called divorced and remarried does not, therefore, mean a judgment on their state of grace before God, but a judgment on the visible, public, and objective character of their situation. Because of the visible nature of the sacraments and of the Church herself, the reception of the sacraments necessarily depends on the corresponding visible and objective situation of the faithful. It is not morally licit to engage in sexual relations with a person who is not one's legitimate spouse, supposedly to avoid another sin. Since the Word of God teaches us, it is not lawful to do evil so that good may come. Romans chapter 3 verse 8
the admission of such persons to Holy Communion may be permitted only when they, with the help of God's grace and a patient and individual pastoral accompaniment, make a sincere intention to cease from now on the habit of such sexual relations and to avoid scandal. It is in this way that true discernment and authentic pastoral accompaniment were always expressed in the Church. People who have habitual non-marital sexual relations violate their indissoluble sacramental nuptial bond with their lifestyle in relation to their legitimate spouse. For this reason they are not able to participate in spirit and in truth. See John chapter 4 verse 23 at the Eucharistic Wedding Supper of Christ, also taking into account the words of the rite of Holy Communion. Blessed are the guests at the Wedding Supper of the Lamb. Revelation chapter 19, verse 9. The fulfillment of God's will, revealed in His Ten Commandments and in His explicit and absolute prohibition of divorce, constitutes the true spiritual good of the people here on earth and will lead them to the true joy of love in the salvation of eternal life. Being bishops in the pastoral office, those who promote the Catholic and Apostolic faith, cultores catholice et apostolice fidei, see Missale Romanum, Canon Romanus, we are aware of this grave responsibility and our duty before the faithful, who await from us a public and unequivocal profession of the truth and the immutable discipline of the Church regarding the indissolubility of marriage. For this reason, we are not allowed to be silent. We affirm, therefore, in the spirit of St. John the Baptist, of St. John Fisher, of St. Thomas More, of Blessed Laura Vicuña, and of numerous known and unknown confessors and martyrs of the indissolubility of marriage. It is not licit, non licet, to justify, approve, or legitimize, either directly or indirectly, divorce and a non-conjugal, stable sexual relationship through the sacramental discipline of the admission of so-called divorced and remarried to Holy Communion in this case a discipline alien to the entire tradition of the Catholic and Apostolic faith. By making this public profession before our conscience and before God, who will judge us, we are sincerely convinced that we have provided a service of charity in truth to the Church of our day and to the Supreme Pontiff, successor of St. Peter and Vicar of Christ on earth. 31 December 2017 the Feast of the Holy Family, in the year of the centenary of the apparitions of Our Lady of Fatima. Thomas Petra, Archbishop Metropolitan of the Archdiocese of St. Mary in Ostana. Jan Pavel Lenga, Archbishop Bishop of Karaganda. Athanasius Schneider, Auxiliary Bishop of the Archdiocese of St. Mary in Ostana.
That was the profession of the immutable truths about sacramental marriage from the bishops of Kazakhstan. They made a great case. As Ed Peters remarked, this profession is a model of clarity. Set against the disastrous statements by, among others, the bishops of Malta and German Episcopal Conference, the Kazakhstans are withering. The, the citations that they use throughout are important and useful. They might be suitably noted down and studied and discussed in small discussion groups, perhaps in small groups that you form yourselves. You may get a bunch of people together and go to a coffee shop or something and talk about these things. Or maybe even at the parish level they could be organized. Priests could use each of them as starting points for sermons. They could also be used in marriage preparation. And the profession text is a, therefore a great service, uh, even in pastoral work. Uh, if the points could be used in marriage prep, uh, why couldn't they also be used by couples who are experiencing difficulties in their own marriages? You know, they bring a great deal of clarity. The truth rings out in them, and the truth is charitable. And there's nothing uncharitable about the way that they express these things. Nor is there anything uncharitable or unmerciful in the way that the citations, the citations from previous popes and documents, there's nothing wrong with them at all. They do not lack mercy simply because they're clear and true. Um, as a concluding point, the bishops invoked St. John the Baptist, St. Thomas More, and St. John Fisher, who were all killed because they defended marriage. But they also invoked this Argentinian girl, blessed Laura Vicuña. She was beatified by John Paul II, and her feast day, where it is celebrated, is the 22nd of January. In the 2004 Roman Martyrology, her entry says that she made an oblation of her life to God at the age of 13 years old for the conversion of her mother. Um... Laura uh, was the daughter of a woman who wound up living with a man who promised to pay for Laura's education in exchange for you know, living with him and so forth. And uh, this man beat Laura because she wanted to be, become a nun. And uh, she came down with tuberculosis and she offered her life for the conversion of her mother. As it turns out, as Laura was dying on her deathbed, her mother did indeed uh, repent and said that she'd change her life. And so um, this is an important, uh, I think, uh, blessed uh, Laura Vicuña. It's important that they invoked her, especially since she is uh, from Argentina. Uh, also, note the mention of the apparitions of Fatima. That was apt and significant. You know, this took place on the last, this profession was issued on the last day of 2017, which is the centenary of the apparitions at Fatima. So mentioning those apparitions is extremely important. They want you to take take a, you know note of that. Remember that uh, Sister Lucia, the long-lived seer of Fatima, told the recently deceased Cardinal Cafara, and I quote, a time will come when the decisive battle between the kingdom of Christ and Satan will be over marriage and the family. Close quote. Now, can any of us doubt that this is indeed true and that we are now on the battlefield and that the battle is raging around us even now? 
Physical battles in physical war make a lot of noise. Spiritual battles are no less vicious, uh, no less deadly, uh, no less important, just because we don't necessarily see them in front of our eyes with explosions and the sound of gunfire and the screams of the wounded. Spiritual battles are not less real, just like sacramental reality is not less real than the reality that we perceive through our senses, through touch and smell and sight and sound and so forth. That's very concrete and tangible to us because we're human beings and we take in things through our senses. But sacramental realities are not less real than physical material realities that we can sense. So too, the spiritual battle that is going on, raging around us, is not less real. And in fact, it has even greater consequences. People might be physically wounded in, a, in, in real physical battle, and they may be killed. But that is the end of earthly life. Spiritual battle is about souls. Therefore, uh, instructed and bolstered, uh, encouraged, exhorted by the examples of these bishops from Kazakhstan who invoked Our Lady of Fatima and these saints because I'm pretty sure they know that they're, they're going to have to probably suffer now for what they've done. I'd ask you to take up your mighty spiritual arms of the Holy Rosary and to pray for these bishops. At least once, say at least one rosary for these bishops. And because they invoked Our Lady of Fatima, I'd ask you to review the words of Our Lady in those apparitions and then to do what she asked. Offer reparation for sins that offend her Immaculate Heart and the Sacred Heart of Jesus. Make first Saturday devotions. Strive for holiness of life. Offer up sufferings. You know, physical wars have costs. So do spiritual wars. We have to pay the prices now for what's going on in the spiritual battle for truth. Now, I hope this reading of the profession from the bishops of Kazakhstan was useful for you. You might make it known to others. In the meantime, please pray for me as I will for you. <laughs>